Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Number My Day for Men podcast, where we discuss all things man and God. I'm your host, DC. Join us in the fight for manhood, God's way. Please welcome today's guest, Pastor Shane Eidelman, pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, thanks for being here. So tell us more about yourself. Well, the short story, the long story, we'll do the short one. I'm married. Uh, we were married in 2002. We've got four kids, a boy and three girls. Uh, favorite hobby? Boy, anything from playing softball to fly fishing uh, to exercising, riding bikes, just a lot of outdoor activity up in the mountains. And the moment that I surrendered uh, everything to Jesus completely was back in my 20s, actually late, late 20s, 29, I was working with 24-Hour Fitness. It was the fastest growing fitness company in the world at that point and began to chase everything, you know, recognition, status, money, all the driving forces for men. And ultimately that ruined my life and lost everything, started to uh, just compromise in a lot of different areas. And that's what the Lord used to bring the prodigal son back home, you know, to uh, I knew him at a young age, but just drifted away and kept drifting and drifting. And that was the final nail in the coffin to see, have me see my need for him and, and recommit my life. And that's when everything changed. That was a defining moment, being filled with the spirit of God, having a love for his word, a love for uh, teaching, a love for other people. And just that was the defining moment. And that was uh, 1999, God started to plant that seed. And then 2000, it really took root when a lot of the change happened. So do you mind discussing something you had to overcome? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, but it dawned on me, one of the questions earlier that I was reflecting on, what life experiences made you into the man you are today? I think that's really important because as men, we will tend to beat ourselves up. If things aren't going the way we thought or the way we want them to go, challenges, setback, difficulties, those are really the stepping stones of success in God's kingdom, what he wants you to do because he's He's cutting away that pride. He's cutting away that self-reliance. He's, he's developing humility. So what life experiences made you into the man you know I am today? I would say everything that God sovereignly allowed. And that those who are listening, allow that separation, maybe your spouse has left, to drive you to the cross. Allow that loss of a job to drive you to the prayer closet. Use these things, not as setbacks, but as stepping stones. And I, I've learned that life is not easy. It, it's, it's, you know, the old saying, it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to it that matters. That's absolutely true. And, and it's biblical. Things I've had to overcome. I grew up, you know, I grew up uh, as a young adult addicted to alcohol and having an addicted personality. Uh, so those types of things I have to, you know, stay away from. Lust, all the things that men struggle with are, you know, hit me the same way. And when, when you ask to also the question, what's your biggest struggle today? I think it's staying filled with the Holy Spirit. And being led of the spirit, uh, wanting to know what God wants me to do, and so that flesh coming in and and kind of uh, trying to ruin your day, and and I think the devil plants thoughts, you know, wrong thoughts, uh, discouraging thoughts, self condemning thoughts, 
so that's the biggest struggle is wanting to stay full of the spirit, wanting to treat my wife graciously and my kids lovingly and but still having that what theologians call the Adamic nature, the nature of Adam still in us. I would say those are the, it's a constant battle against the flesh and the pulling of the flesh. So how do you deal with that? Trying to stay filled well, with the Holy Spirit? Well, a couple of things that I th- are vitally important, especially to men, is where your mind goes. Uh, where w- How do you spend your time? You know, we, we have men struggle a lot with lust, but it's because they're feeding it all day long and what oh, yeah. they watch, what they view. I We have a website accountability through Covenant Eyes that, Every website I'll visit is sent to my wife uh, one day a week. Oh, so every every website I visit, anything questionable, she gets an email report of it. Called Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes, yeah. So some people say, "Well, you shouldn't need that," and well, yeah, technically, but I'd like to remove the fire from the or remove the flame from the fire before it even starts. So having Absolutely. that accountability, uh, and then just being cautious with what we watch, what we listen to, where we spend our time, because that either fuels the lust or it fuels the feeling of the Holy Spirit. So it's starting the morning off early in the morning uh, with God's word, with prayer, Lord, help me today. And then throughout, while I'm driving, I've got books, audible books, you know, listening to books, sermons, worship music, counseling appointments, or whatever I'm doing throughout the day, trying to keep that posture of prayer and not having any opportunities you know, to, to where that lust can grow. You know, we don't. I don't counsel women per se. You know, young women or older women, and just policies in place that you know we know that our our fleshly nature is there. So having precautions, I think, helps. It's biblical. Mm-hmm. You know, to have boundaries. Now, those things in and of themselves won't help. In other words, if a man has covenant eyes on his computer, but he wants to look at porn, he's going to find a way. Right. You know, it's but but the these things work together. And I only mention that because it's it's I don't think men understand the gravity of pornography is you are actually committing adultery. Right. I mean, there's no way around it. You're committing adultery. Mm-hmm. And and if you fall in that area, repent, be transparent, let your wife know you're struggling, you know, you bring it to the light. But so many men they keep it in the dark and they don't want to tell their wife they're struggling, um, because then they'll ask questions and you know, this can end hurt my marriage. Well, you know, it's better to be transparent and open. Granted, there's some cautions there, you know, mm-hmm. too. And, and you have to have right. somebody you can go to and you bring that to the surface and and you allow it to expose itself. But so many men try to hide it and cover it. They wonder why they don't love their wives anymore. They're not attracted to their wives. They're actually mean to their spouse. They don't want to be around them anymore. They don't want to spend time with them. That fire of marriage that they initially had is gone. And they start to think, well, I don't love her anymore. Maybe God has somebody else in, in store for me. And they don't understand that that's the path of adultery. Stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that her dead are there, that her dead are in the gates of hell, talking about in the depths of hell, talking about adultery and the, the ramifications. So I think we say, yeah, yeah, pornography. But I mean, it's, it's serious business. It it, it'll it'll it take is. a man down quickly. So what is the greatest lesson you have learned? Boy, oh boy. Honestly, that God will never let you down. That he is there no matter what we're going through. Because sometimes we think that I can't get through this. Where, where are you at? I can't believe you You allowed me to, to go through this. And we start to get this bitter attitude about God. I've learned to just trust his sovereignty. He knows best and rest in that even through the difficult challenges. 
What is the best advice that you have received? Well, that's easy. That's all from scripture. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if you're talking about where where or who, but all through scripture, the best advice by by far. What is the worst advice? It's the world's advice. And I think we forget that we have two competing appetites. You know, we have the appetite of the flesh, the appetite of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So the more we feed on God's word and that advice, the more we make sound decisions, wise decisions. Uh, but the Nike slogan, feel good, do it. You know, your best life now, what you can have now, fulfill those desires now. You know, it's just, it's just, this world mindset is this terrible just advice. Absolutely. So answer me this. Why do you believe in God? Well, that's that could go two ways. If you're talking to an unbeliever, to a believer, to a believer, why I mm-hmm. believe internal and external evidence. The external evidence is his invisible attributes are clearly seen. I mean, you you look at the fine tuning of the universe, the earth. I mean, my goodness, somebody had to put all this together. Somebody keeps it all together. Uh, the consistency of scripture, the inerrancy of the word of God, the historical accuracy of the Bible, archaeological accuracy, prophetic accuracy, scientific accuracy. But then you look at also the internal uh, evidence, the internal witness. It's, uh, this is what sets us apart from any other religion really is other religions can go through the motions, but Christianity is God reaching down to us, putting his spirit within us, so that spirit within us cries out of a father. So you have that eternal witness that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are God's uh, God's son and you're chosen, you're saved. And so you have the eternal internal witness. Can you imagine life without it? You'd just you'd just no. be going through going, well, I hope I hope everything works out. I mean, I guess there's a God, mm-hmm. you know, and it would be very difficult. Yeah. So so how about for the unbeliever? Why do you believe in God? The unbeliever. I think everything I just mentioned, for sure, right, the, right. In, the consistency of, of the universe and the earth. And I mean, it, it would be impossible. You just look at, read a book on DNA, and it's just impossible to think all of this just happened. So I would first encourage anybody to look at the evidence. Well, the Bible is written by men. The Bible has many errors. And and you, you really, when you challenge somebody on that, they can't find anything. There's There's no inconsistency. Uh, there's questions for sure, but there's nothing that contradicts itself. There's nothing. Plus, they know it in in their in their soul. I believe that right. the, the Holy Spirit right. convicts us. God's word is there's conviction. They're suppressing the truth. Romans one talks about suppressing the truth. So they have the truth and they suppress it. They don't want to hear it. So it's really not an issue of the facts. It's an issue of the heart. So you've got to do a heart examination. And the Bible says, call on Him. And he will save you. So I would challenge anybody to a non-believer say, okay, Lord, if you're really out there, God, if you're, if you're out there, show me. And, and, and if you're sincere, I believe that he will open that door. How has your belief changed your approach to life? Oh, everything changes. <laughs> uh, what you find important, you know, the world says seek career, status, money. The Bible says seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And and putting family, God first, and family first, and friendships, uh, how you handle money, stewardship, how you treat others. It, it actually just changes every single aspect of life. And that's what happened when I, was 20, when I was with 24 Hour Fitness. I was pursuing all these things, came back to the Lord, God changed my heart, and I didn't want to have anything to do with these things. It's just a complete, complete 180. What would you tell a man that is struggling to fully commit to his life to following 
God's word. Well, it's not uncommon at all because the deception, the deception with men is that we are losing out. You know, that's true. If if I have to, if I commit my life to God, I'm going to be this, this wimpy little, you know, guy who just smiles and send me to the mission field in Africa. And, (laughs) you know, I'm just missing out. Worships for women. Look at how they worship. And so, you know, be weak, weak. Yeah. But we have to realize that we're confusing meekness with weakness. Jesus was meek and meekness is strength under control. You have strength, but it's controlled. Weakness is a pushover, you know, uh, doormat. And you just, that's, that's much different. So that's the big reason is we're so concerned about what people think about us on Facebook. We've got our buddies at work, you know, they, they have, they like to drink beer with them and talk, you know, talk to them at work and then, but go to church. Hopefully nobody sees me here. It's this dual agency, dual life. That's not productive. It's not biblical. You can't serve two masters anyway. You're miserable. Uh, but that's why I think most men don't. Oh, um, now all the fun's going to be over, you know. And really, the opposite is true. You're you're caught in a web of deception and lies if you think committing your life to the Lord who saved you, bought you to price, wants your life so He can use you, and tremendous joy and peace will follow. That's a lie from the pit of hell that you you shouldn't do that because you'll it'll it'll ruin all your your fun and you know all those things. I think that's the main reason is is. They're losing out on something. That's why I didn't want to be a pastor for many years. <laughs> I kept running from that calling for many years. Like, oh, I don't want to be one of those guys just smile and nice to everybody. And, and yeah. you know, there goes making a lot of money, you know, and all that yeah, good stuff. Absolutely. So, <sighs> so how do you stay committed to God's word every day? Well, if you're not in the word, the word's not going to be in you. So you, it has to actually become a, a spiritual discipline. And that's what many guys are not disciplined. Uh, and I'm not in certain areas at all. But once you form that discipline of of that's on the calendar, you know, that's coming before everything else, uh, even before work, you know, it, this that's is a hard one. Yeah, this is, well, it depends too. I, when I was in construction, I did, you know, get up at 5 a.m., mm-hmm. be at the job by six. And so I got in the habit of getting to bed a little earlier. So I got up at four, still got an hour in. And mm-hmm. when I got home later in the day, I would I would resume. And it's just hearing the counsel of God, the spending time in his word, getting encouraged. So it has to be, it has to become a discipline. You know, you don't feel like doing it. And those are the times to do it. Okay, in the morning or wherever the best time is, I'm going to set aside. Uh, and I think setting aside an hour just to sit with God, read the word, read a commentary, uh, meditate. Right now we've got five minute devotionals. You know, we've got right. just right. five minutes early. Get up five minutes early. I mean, let's just be real. I mean, that's not <laughs> that's not going to be productive. Try going to work for five minutes. <laughs> you know, so I don't want to stress work based relationship. But at the same time, you sit and you talk and you spend time with someone who's important to you. Please give advice on being a godly man. Wow. Well, I look at these questions too, and just. Um, want to reflect on the fact that sometimes I don't feel like I measure up, you know, where there's a, uh, I don't want pride to creep in at all. I don't want, I don't want to be the example for anybody. I want to point, I want to point people to Christ because so many times we look at men and if you follow somebody around long enough, you find the, the warts and the, you know, all True. the bad things and the, see the flaws. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, I thought they walked on water, you know, right. And, right. and things. Um, 
But being a godly man, the word godly means godlike, Christ-like character, uh, spiritual disciplines, work in the Bible, in prayer, in reading. And you actually submit and surrender to God and you let him change you. So it's because sometimes we think, you know, I'm going to try. I got to do this. I got to do this. And self-discipline is important. It's a fruit of the spirit. But it's, Lord, I'm submitting to your work. Would you change my heart? Would you would you take this anger away? Would you open the door for me financially or, or let me lead my family? Show me what that looks like. And you're submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit, and that's how you become godly. It's not somebody trying to follow a bunch of rules. You know, people think, I'm going to be godly. I'm going to go to church next Sunday. I'm going to get a Bible and try to read it. And those are good, but, but being a godly man is being filled with the Spirit. Uh, and that transitions right into advice on being on a husband, being a husband, you know, that's a tough one. Marriage isn't easy for us. Our first year was very difficult. Uh, we thought we made the wrong decision, you know, the first year, because the fact of the matter is we don't realize how selfish we are. Right. I mean, that's the truth. You move it, you know, my plans are, are not what I thought they were. My day's not going the way I thought. And the best way to be a godly husband is to die to self every day. And I'm still working in the, in the process of this, but removing that selfishness, you know, dying, uh, dying for your spouse, the Bible talks about, but we don't do that practically often, but you can do it as far as not getting the last word in. How can I help? And when it's not all about Shane, that takes away a lot of the tension because you're not going to find too many spouses wanting to argue with somebody who wants to serve them. It's just, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen at all. Um, just an interesting side note. I've seen statistics and I've seen it myself. A lot of marriages, even that I know of, that are falling apart, they're heading to divorce court or they've recently divorced. I mean, and I can think of six or seven now and they don't give either. They're not givers, tithe-wise or offerings. or I mean, mm-hmm. you know, at church, they don't want to talk about that. <laughs> but it's important because it's, it's a spiritual discipline that really shows where your heart's at. So that's what I'm getting to. The selfishness in giving is selfishness also flows over into their own personal lives and how they treat others. So being a husband, advice on that is trying not to be selfish, self-focused, self-absorbed. Uh, and I even get up, okay, Lord, my, my day might change. She's going to have a flat tire, you know, or the kids need something. Um, help me be flexible. Because isn't that where most arguments come from? You know, it, it's, it does. Most arguments do come. Yeah, it's, it's not... This is not what I had. I don't want to do this. It's not how my day is supposed to go. And then being a father, that would flow right into, into all of that because your life is built on the foundation that you lay. So being a father, it, it's it's a reflection of all these things we just talked about. So there's nothing special you have to do. It, it's, it's the whole man uh, surrender to God, fill with the Spirit, trusting in God's sovereignty, not becoming bitter and judgmental, dying to self, leading your family, putting boundaries on the lusts, the addictions, overcoming them with help. And then out of that, you become a better father out of all those spiritual disciplines. Well, thank you for that. Thank you so much for spending time with us today and answering all these questions. Do you have any last words? You know what? I, I, the only thing I could possibly say is uh, to fall forward, you know, because most guys aren't walking around filled with the spirit with joy and peace they're they're walking around defeated and discouraged whether it's finances i can't get a job or i can't be the godly man or look at i keep i keep falling in this area 
you've got to get to a point where you realize, okay, devil, you hit me with your right hook, but it's time to let God restore and rebuild me. I'm going to look to him. I'm going to trust him. And you've got to encourage yourself through the word. You get back on track. God's all about falling forward. Paul even said, I don't look back at the things I've done. I look forward to where God is, is, is pushing me. So all these setbacks can actually become um, stepping stones to where God has called us if we don't allow that discouragement. Because that's how it works. You get discouragement, you get hooked in porn, you get discouraged, you go grab alcohol, you get discouraged, you get an argument with your spouse, you just take a drive, you go play video games, and you just stay in the cycle, you know, of discouragement. Fortunately, I never was a fan of video games. So, <laughs> uh, but that would be my only thing is to fall forward, use this podcast to say, okay, I'm, I'm regaining my strength, I'm getting back on track. Uh, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be able to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure you visit us at numbermyday.com slash men to find out what we're all about. And if you haven't yet, please join us in the fight for manhood, God's way. <laughs>